Okay, we're going to go to Psalms uh, 145. Go there with me. And uh, <laughs> I have a couple of things I just want to point out to you this morning. And uh, I want to let you know that Wednesday night um, will be our night where we're hosting um, the 40 days of prayer that the Sarasota House of Prayer does uh, for leading up to Consecrate, which is June 16th, 17th, and 18th. This will be the first year where the Harvest Band is um, playing and headlining one of the nights for worship. So we're going to be backing up Sean Foyt on Thursday night. And then Friday night, your Harvest Worship team up here is going to be leading. And so they are ready to go. The band and those that lead and sing are ready to go. I told Roger he's going to need to have fire extinguishers on the side because we're going to be internally combusting one by one like popcorn, all right? So... <laughs> So please come out, uh, especially Friday night, uh, but anytime you can make it to consecrate. And this Wednesday night, we're not just going to be praying. We're going to do a, a worship and prayer service that will be combined. And so there will be extended worship, and we'll be praying for specific subjects. And it's really awesome if you've never done that before and combining the two. And so we'll be doing that Wednesday night, and we'd love for you to join us for that. Um, we'll, we'll be having our normal service time, and Roger and some folks from the prayer house will be here, and our worship team will be leading. So thanks for considering coming and, and uh, being a part of that. Um, everyone should be here because we're going to be praying for our community. We're going to be praying for our, our, our young people, our teenagers, our children, our schools. We're praying for our nation. We're going to be praying for our local leaders. We're we'll praying for churches. So please uh, consider coming and being a part of that. It's a really important night. All right, we're going to start in uh, verse uh, 1, and we're going to read uh, Psalms 145. And like I mentioned to you on Wednesday, the purpose of this message, and I'm going to continue it on the next couple of weeks, I want to preach to you and teach you on worship, specifically uh, two different things that happen during worship. And there, there happen to be two of the most important things you can understand in your Christian walk. The first one is understanding who God is. And so the nature and the character of God. And so that's, that's the, what we're going to concentrate on today. That's revealed in Psalms 145. And then the other one that I'm going to be teaching and preaching on here very soon is on uh, is understanding who we are in God. And so if you can understand who he is, understand who you are, there's not much that can deter you or shake you from the plan and purpose of God in your life. And so we get a lot of five steps to this and 12 steps to that books out there and five ways to invite God's glory into your life and three, you know, three things to do if you want the Holy Spirit, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, it's this simple. If you know who he is and you know who you are in him, you can go on and forge ahead and put the throttle all the way down and go with, with God's plan for your life. And so both of those things are a part of what God reveals and makes real. The revelation of those things uh, happen in our life when you, in worship and in praise. And that's not just what happens here on a Sunday morning. It could be in your car. You could be at home. It's really a lifestyle of worship. And so the reason we worship is not just so that we feel good at the end of it. The reason we worship is not because, well, it warms things up for the sermon. You know, we, we worship because God reveals himself in a unique and intimate personal way to you and to you. And see, he knows how to reveal himself to me, and it may be totally different the way he reveals himself to you. 
And so in worship, your personal expression, God's responds with his own intimate revelation that reaches you where you're at in the way that you understand. But what he wants to reach you with, the revelation that he wants to reach you with is who he is and who you are in him. And sometimes we're in worship and we're learning like, wow, God, your power, you're this, you're that. And we're going to get into some of these today. And we're like, wow, you're just so amazing. And you just begin to see more of the scope of who he is and his kindness and his love and his compassion and his mercy and all of these things. And sometimes in worship, you see people and you can almost read what's going on in their face because they're just having this total heart transformation where God's revealing to them what's who they are. And you can just see this almost like transformation happening inside of them. And usually it's accompanied by tears or laughter or something. But there's, you, there's something profound going on inside of them where God's beginning to re, re-identify, if you will. He's beginning to breathe a new identity in them that coincides with, with placing their life in his hands. And so this morning I want to concentrate on the revelation of who God is in worship. So we're revealing God through worship in Psalms 145. And I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. Um, I, did, I did have some really great bulletin stuff, but I'm going to jump that. I'll just give you one of my favorites, a couple of my favorites here. We read some one-liners from church bulletins on Wednesday. I'm going to repeat just a couple of them for the rest of you. These are times where folks like uh, Nancy mess up the bulletin, which never happens here, ever. And uh, they just didn't proofread it correctly. So one of my favorites is um, that the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. Uh, this is another good one. Uh, next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir because they need all the help they can get. <laughs> we know who wasn't here Wednesday night because you're laughing. <laughs> Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. This is probably the, my favorite one. Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She is also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes from Pastor Jack's sermons. (laughs) Or this one is a missionary from Africa named Bertha Belch is speaking at Calvary Memorial in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. And we'll do this one just because we're not quite at Father's Day yet. So we'll back off these jokes when we get there. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a good chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. (laughs) Ladies? Verse 1, it says, I will exalt you or extol you, my God, O King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. So the seven things that God reveals in Psalms 145, which happens to be the only psalm that David wrote that's described as a psalm of praise. And that's why we can connect both what God is revealing about himself to what happens in praise and in worship. And so the first thing that he reveals to us in verses 1 and 2, as we see here, is he reveals his position. And his position is king. So we're going to start there. He's king. 
And so it says, I will exalt you, my God, the king. So he is God and he is king. That's his position. Now in verse 3 and 4, or 3, 4, 5, and 6, it says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell you of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works and proclaim your great deeds. So the second thing that God reveals about himself to us in worship and in praise, the first one is is, uh, his position. The second one is his power. So sometimes you'll be in the middle of that, you know, getting in that place with God and connecting him, kind of just pushing all the other nonsense to the side for a moment, really connecting to the Lord, whether in your own time or here in church. And sometimes we begin to just get the revelation that he's in charge because he's king. And then sometimes we get the revelation that he is mighty and he is powerful. It says that he is mighty. They will tell of your mighty acts and they will tell of the power of your awesome works. You see, it's not enough just to have position. You need to have the authority and the power that goes along with that position. Amen? There's a lot of world leaders around the world that have a position, but they really don't have much power. Their militaries are, are, what, you know, are, are non, almost non-existent. They don't have the economic power. They really can't leverage much against a country next to them. That's why they're always calling us, right? And, uh, and they, they, so there's leaders around the world. They, they might say that they're king, but they don't have power. And so God is both king, but he has the authority and the power to back up his position as king. Amen? I don't want a powerless king. And so we keep going on here. It says, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyful, joyfully sing of your righteousness. For the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He is compassionate on all he's made. The Lord is righteous in all his weight and loving towards all he has made. This is very important. This is verse 7 through 9 and verse 17. We just kind of skipped around there. This reveals the personality of God. So we've got his position. We have his power. We have his personality. And so we don't, we don't just understand as we get the revelation of who he is that he's a king, but we understand that he's a king with power, but he's not this, this monotone, humdrum, powerful king that's out of touch and out of reach with humanity. He also has a personality. In other words, he has emotions, he has feelings, he has affections. And so what do those look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like Goodness and righteousness and graciousness and compassion. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger, this this scripture says. He's rich in love. He's good to all. He's righteous and he's loving. Now, why am I preaching this? Because I had nothing else to preach. No. Uh, I'm preaching this because we can begin to put value on the times that we dedicate to spend time with God in a way that we haven't valued before. Because if you realize that he's not just wanting you to sing a song or to pray a prayer, but that he actually wants to reveal more of who he is to you, and you can be on the lookout for the ways that God wants to reveal himself and the way he did in Psalms 145, when it happens, you'll go, oh, oh, there's his power. Oh, he's king. And he's got a personality, he's slow to anger, he's rich in love. And so the purpose of it is that if you will come to know this for sure, and God reveals this to you in a personal way, and you get grounded in knowing who he is, 
then you won't just misrepresent him to yourself, but you won't misrepresent him to the world. Because I'm going to say this sweetly and lovingly, very softly, it's less offensive. But the church has so, at times, the body of Christ misrepresented God to the world. And now we're trying to do everything we can to undo those misrepresentations. Because if you walked out, you you have to remember this, the only, we're always like the liberal media and Hollywood and this and that. I hate to break the news to you. The church has done more damage in representing who God is to the world than Hollywood or the liberal media ever could because they don't have the power and authority. We've been given the power of authority and we've represented God in a way where he is, he is not, he's rich in anger and slow in love. Not slow to anger and rich in love. And so, you know why I know that? Because if you walk the streets of Sarasota or you walk the streets of Manatee County or Venice or wherever you're from and you, and you were doing a mic, uh, you know, man on the street thing with a microphone and you start encountering people that don't go to church or whatever and you say, oh, why don't you go to church and what do you think of God? They're going to say, well, I don't know. You know, it just feels like he's just whatever. You know, he's angry and upset. And, and I mean, you're just going to hear one negative thing that's the exact opposite of what this scripture is talking about. And you know, 90% of the time you'll say, well, well, why do you feel that way? Well, when I was a kid, or when I was 16, and it always comes back to, not always, but mostly comes back to some sort of church experience or religious denominational experience or whatever it is that damaged that person's understanding of who God really is and his personality. Because a lot of them won't argue that he's king or a lot of them won't argue with you that he's powerful, but they lose out when it comes to the fact that his personality is not one that's full of wrath and full of hatred and full of condemnation and full of anger. And so if you can be convinced of this and God can reveal this to you in times of worship and connection with him, then when it's time for you to represent him to the world, we'll do an accurate job of it. Are you with me? Now, I would love to say that I've seen everybody in this room happily and joyfully represent God in a unique and wonderful and, and, and purposeful way that lines up with the scriptures. But I've seen some of the ways some of us have represented God, and it is no bueno. <laughs> this person's not here today. They don't go to this church, but it's somebody that I know that's connected with and this, she's married to, and her husband, and, and they don't go here, so you don't have to try to figure it out. But um, she, uh, I know you are. Everyone is. Her name is Matilda. No, I'm just kidding. So um, she, I've been trying to like talk to her because she actually, uh, this narrows it down, but we're still got about a thousand women that could be in town. She, uh, she does therapeutic massage therapy for me sometimes. And every time I go there, you know, sometimes you don't want to be a pastor. You just want to get a massage and get whatever's happening that you can't turn your neck for to get fixed. And so sometimes when they ask me, so what do you do? I say, I'm a photographer. (laughs) But she found out because she goes to another church that I am not a photographer. I am a pastor. And so now when I go in, because she's great at what she does. I lay down. She's like, so my husband. 
And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and she's like, he's just not getting it. He's been swearing a lot lately. He's been cussing and drinking. And I don't know, you know, did I, t did I mention to you that he's a really baby, baby, really super baby, baby, baby Christian? Yeah, the last 12 times I've been here. <laughs> I've heard about how reprobate your husband is. And then, at some point in the conversation, she tells me, well, I just had enough. And I told him, listen, you're going to get sick if you don't start serving God. <laughs> Take your hands off me. <laughs> totally pure, someone that totally wants to connect with, with and, and build her husband up and pour and see her husband connect with the Lord, totally pure hearted, is not upset or, you know, angry in a, in a way that, you know, she just, she's doing her best, but it's important as believers that we really understand the nature of God. Because when we begin to re represent him to people, when we begin to say, hey, this is who God really is, and he wants to meet you in this way, we're not doing it in a way that damages or sets them back from their opportunity to receive Jesus, but we actually encourage them in his love and his mercy and his compassion. And you find in Psalms 145, and even more scriptures we'll read in a second, over and over and over again, it keeps on saying, oh, and he's loving towards all he has made which means there's no precursors, there's no qualifiers to receiving the compassion and love of God. The only pre-qualifier or, 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 or the only thing that qualifies you for receiving that love is the fact that you were made by him. So guess what? That's all of them. Your cranky neighbor? All of them can receive his love. Well, wouldn't it be something if every believer on earth represented God as the one who loves all of creation? I mean, just start there. But you know, it's hard, it's hard to buy into this just because I said so. And that's part of why we worship and connect with God, because he can take his word that you learn here and make it real to you. So when you walk out the door, you're not doing it because I said so. You're doing it because God's revealed himself to you. Do you see this connection here? I don't want a church that just does what I say because I'm the pastor. Because I could lose my mind and go cuckoo. As we've seen folks do. There's a pastor in a church in town right now who has gone cuckoo. I'm going to say it. It's not you. It's not you. And I'm not going to tell folks who it is. Okay? No. There's a pastor in town that's gone cuckoo of a very large church. And I won't even tell you if it's this town. It's in, within Florida. We'll just put it that way who has decided that they're going to uh, put out a, they, they put out to their staff a, a memorandum, if you will, of what they believed. And part of it was, and this is a large church, part of it was an influential church, that they no longer believe in hell. They don't believe that you should talk about sin ever in church, that it's just negative and whatever. All sorts of things that are contrary to the word of God. And I believe in, within the, two-week period, they had like 14 staff resign because of it. So the, the truth of the matter is, and wonderful person, wonderful, wonderful man of God, he's a wonderful guy, but the truth of the matter is, if you follow what I say and you don't allow God to reveal it to you, 
then you're going to be in trouble. It's like a child whose parent says, don't touch that stove because you're going to get burned. You know what the best way to learn not to touch that stove? Is to feel it yourself and experience it. Because forever you're going to be wondering, I know he said it and it sounded convincing, but I've never experienced it. That's why we believe that worship is an experience. It's experiential. There should be something that you experience in God that makes him real to you in a way that you can't deny. Does that make sense? Way off track here, but I want to make that clear. The fourth thing is this. I'm running out of time, but that's all right because the Lord healed people and you'll just have to give me a break. The the fourth thing God reveals, and this may be a word you're unfamiliar with, but it's his preeminence. And I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. It says, all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Verse 10. This is all in the same chapter, folks. You can read one chapter and get the whole enchilada. Your saints will extol you, exalt you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that men may know of your mighty acts and glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. For the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. There it is again. But it says, you have all you have made will praise you, O Lord. And that word preeminence means this. It means that he is over all because he has made everything. So in other words, he is superior He is superior to everything because he was the originator of the creator of that. And so God has power and authority and superiority over all things here on the earth because he created it. That's his preeminence. And so his dominion and his authority and all of that comes from that place of preeminence because he is the one who created it. Does that make sense? And so God's preeminence is revealed to us. In other words, when you get the revelation, like everything I know, he created. Like everything I experienced, he created. That's like one of those like bright eyes, aha moments where you're like, wow, like God really is in control. He really does have power and dominion and authority. The fifth thing is this in verse 14. We're just going right through the chapter. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all that look to you And you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. This is God's provision. You see this here? We've got his power and position, his other P word, and preeminence and provision. What's the third one? Personality. So his provision. And this paints such a beautiful picture of our God. It says that his hands are open to us. Think about that. This, you really think that most believers understand that God's hands are open to them? Really believe it? I don't think so. We don't live that way. Some of us live our Christian life thinking that when we're in trouble, that God just comes along. He's like, you screwed up, buddy. You need help out of this? I'll throw you a bone here. This will get you through. (laughs) It's true, though. That's the way we see God sometimes. Like folks come and they, you know, they've messed up or they've, they've got themselves in a situation or whatever it is. And they're like, you know, I just, I just, you know, I know I'm not going to come out of this. 
but I just, maybe if God can just do this one little itty bitty part for me, I messed up. And the picture of God is that his hands are open. Both in relationship, both as a rescuer, as a partner, his hands are open. Can you imagine proposing? I was going to do it to you, but that'd be weird. So I'm just going to propose to you. You're just going to have to deal with it, all right? My wife's not here. Don't tell her. So can you imagine if you proposed to somebody and you're like, hey, and your ring's in here, and your finch is clenched, whatever this is called. Your fist is clenched. Your, not your finch is clenched. Whatever. See, I'm getting nervous because I've only done this once. And I, I, hopefully I intend on doing it once my whole life. And so you're like, hey, will you marry me? <laughs> and she's like, well, let me see how big the rock is and maybe we can talk. No, you wouldn't. Thank you for that. But the Lord's like, hey, listen, I invite you into relationship with me. I invite you to allow me to be your provider. I invite you to let me take care of you. I invite you to let me be the one that supplies your needs. I invite you with open hands, not clenched fists, not saying, look, oh, you messed up. Here's a little bit for you, and here's a little bit for you, and you've been better this week because you were nice to me, and here's two for you. So this is part of who God is. The sixth thing is this, and I'm almost done, so hold your horses. The sixth thing is this, in verse 18, the Lord is near. He's near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of all those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. He is near. He is both king he is powerful. Come on. He is king. He is powerful. He has great personality. He is preeminent. He has come with open hands to be provider. And now he says with all of these things, it's not enough. Because he also wants to be near to us. Which means these things that he has, that's the next one. Hold your horses. No, that's this one. Thank you for keeping me on track. He's near to us. So his presence is here. You're messing me up. His presence. He's with us. He's near. He's right there. And so he says, listen, I, I, I'm, yes, I'm powerful. Yes, I'm king. Yes, I want to be a provider. Yes, I want to be preeminent. And, and I'm preeminent because of all that I've made. Yes, I want to have to reveal my personality to you. But I don't want to do it from afar off. I want to be near you. I want to hear your heartbeat. I want you to hear mine. I want to know when you're worried. I want to know when something's wrong. I want to hear your whispers in the night. I want you to hear my still small voice. I want to be right there, close enough so you can feel me. So no matter what you're going through, I can see you through it and let you know that I'm here and with you. There's something about being in the middle of worship where you feel the closeness and the presence and the nearness of God that takes away the fear and the worry of our hearts. And I don't know about you, but this is probably one of the greatest thing God reels to me in worship. I can be worshiping. I, I, I worship a lot in my car because I drive back and forth to Venice every day, sometimes multiple times. And I, on my car, I just, I'll put on music. And I know I look like an idiot because people probably think I'm like, you know, having stomach pains or something because I'm like. I'm just singing, having a good time, most of the time with my eyes open, not always. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Some of the moves I pull on the interstate, I do not want a harvest sticker on the back, okay? 
Because they'll be calling her saying, this gold Highlander cut me off. And Nancy will be like, you cut somebody off again. So, but I just, I get in that place and there's nothing like in the middle of that time when you're praising God or you're worshiping him, there's nothing like knowing for sure because God revealed himself in the middle of worship knowing that he's present. And so when we're like, God, we invite your presence here, we've kind of made that like a, oh, you know, like we're just like, we'll invite your presence, oh God, Holy Spirit, come, you know, and all that. But like, it's not a distant religious thing. It is a close nearness. It is, it is, a, it is a connection with God, knowing that he's intimately close and in revealing himself to you. And that's what his presence is about. That's when we say that we're a church of presence. What we're saying is we're a church where you can encounter God in a near way. Does that make sense? That you don't have to far off distant relationship with a pastor or a religious leader in between mediating. Like, what'd you say? She said she's sorry, God. He said it's okay, just don't do it again. <laughs> no, he's near. He's like, hey, I'm here with you. I want to know you. I want to hear your heart. I want you to be able to feel my heart beating the rhythm of who I am. The last thing is this we find in the last couple of scriptures. It's the preservation of God. He preserves, he keeps us. It says in the last scripture, it says the Lord watches over all who love him. And so he's, he, he's preserving us. He is keeping us. He is holding us close. And this progression, if you see, it starts with this distant idea of unconnectedness of him being king. But God makes his journey through this psalm into a place where he is both present and he's there to protect and preserve and keep. It goes from the most distant, uh, uh, non-intimate idea to the most intimate of ideas where I want to personally protect and guard you and keep you. And this stuff is revealed to us as we worship him. And that is why we spend our time both corporately and encourage you to spend your time privately worshiping him because we realize that the greatest connection to the heart of the father that you can ever have will probably come in the middle of worship at some point in your life because you open your heart to this Psalms 145 pattern of how God reveals himself and his nature and character to us. Isn't that cool? We're going to end with a video because it wouldn't be Dan's sermon if we didn't have a video. I actually had another video that you didn't even get to see. So extra videos this morning. But this video just touched my heart. And I'm going to leave you with this. I know it's a little later than normal, so please forgive me. But we're going to leave you with this video. We're done. When it's done, I'm going to pray or release you. This video will touch your heart. I'll let it explain for itself. Okay, this is a young man who's 11 years old. Some of you might have seen it on Facebook or something. He is, has autism and he was born blind. And so I want to show you this because I want you to see, you're going to feel some of the things I just preached about in this purity of, of, of worship, the purity of his motives as a little boy. You're going to feel some of these things God revealed to you in the middle of this. So go ahead and play that. 
was asked to introduce Christopher and give a little bit of a, a timeline of his life. And uh, it's hard to keep my composure uh, talking about Christopher's story. But he was born in May of uh, 2011. 
stand to our feet and sing it out with him. Let's do that. standing with me. I just, as I watched this, I was just so reminded of some of these things that, that, um, that I talked about today, that God reveals himself in worship, and you can begin to feel them in the purity of his heart as it cried to the heavens. And so God, our hearts this morning are to return back to the purity of the heart of worship, God, that David had when he wrote this psalm. Lord, that place where you reveal yourself to us because our hearts are open wide. Or that place where we don't allow the worries and the things of that would cloud our heart or our vision. Those things, Lord, we just believe and pray that you can, God, speak to us as we move those obstacles out of your way dedicate more time to really hearing your voice. God, I'm just believing that corporately as we worship, Lord, that this will be a place where your presence, your nearness is felt, where you reveal yourself to people in a a real way. So, Lord, as we leave here, I, I believe and pray that this message, the Psalms 145 pattern of revelation that you've shown us, and how you reveal yourself to us. God, let it come alive in our hearts. Let it come alive in our lives. Lord, allow this to be something that is so real, especially, Lord, as we begin to worship. Encounter those today in a real and authentic and intimate way. Maybe those that have never even really experienced that in their life. Lord, let this be the beginning of it as they open their heart. We thank you, Father, for your word today. Keep everyone safe here. Lord, as we leave, Lord, and, and just we just believe you're going to pour out your spirit Wednesday night as we, as we celebrate, Lord, and pray together.